Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, and joining me, as always, is Josh Julie. And Josh, we are coming at the people live on MLB's opening day. I know we're not a baseball podcast, and we always tease that we're... Merry Christmas, Gene! (laughs) Yeah, we're always teasing that we're going to talk our our Mets and Reds, but for now, we'll we'll keep it light on the baseball discussion, but we do have to, you know, it's a a great day for both of us, both of us big baseball fans, and it is MLB's opening day. Uh, Both of our teams aren't playing until later tonight, but... It's a very exciting time of year for both of us, very exciting time of year for baseball fans when we didn't quite know when this time would come. It is officially here, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it really is a great day. You know, I've, I've soured on my Cincinnati Reds a little bit, but they're going to be on ESPN on opening night. So, of course, I'm going to watch. Um, and in addition to that, it's Masters week. You know, Tiger made his return. So it's been a great sports day. And I know we're going to get into a bunch of other stuff that are Ohio State, that's Ohio State related. Um but yeah, good day, man. I know you've got to be pumped for opening day. Yeah, as someone who works in baseball, it's definitely good for me. I'm also, you know, I'm going to be watching pretty much all of the games because that's how my life is going to work for the next several months. My one last note I had on opening day, kind of just a fun tidbit on uh, Shohei Otani. He is going to become the first ever player in Major League history to both throw out his team's first pitch and uh, face the first pitch from the opposite team in, in, a, in a team's opening day. So that is a fun oh, little nugget. Yeah, so fun little nugget on Shohei Otani. That'll be a cool uh, cool thing to see. He's obviously a phenomenal player, one of the first of his kind in a two-way player role. And, I, you know, as someone who works in OB Network, we obviously do a ton of stuff with Shohei Otani, so that's a little exciting tidbit. But like you said, Josh, very exciting week of sports, and obviously it all started off with the college national championship in men's basketball. Speaking of college basketball, there is Ohio State news to talk about in the basketball world, uh, the first of which is a transfer into the program, which is Tanner Holden. He is one of the guys that we had discussed as a potential ad for Ohio State as a guy who's from Ohio. He's a Wheelersburg native. Uh, he averaged 20.1 points per game, 2.6 assists, and 7.1 rebounds per game at uh, Wright State. 
like I said, in-state kid. Uh, and, you know, the Horizon League is a much different ball game than playing in the Big Ten, but I think this is a really big get for Ohio State, another guard. Uh, he's a pretty big guard at six foot six, 185 pounds. And with the, the news that Malachi Branham is likely, you know, I would say almost 99% gone to the NBA draft, I think that this is a very good start to uh, Chris Holtman's offseason and getting a guard that could fill in some of that, that missing production that they'll lose without Branham. Yeah, I'm really excited about this guy. You know, he's a good two-way wing Great rebounder for his size. He pulled down like seven per game. Super efficient, which is one of my hallmarks. Like one of the things that I look for in a, in a good, enjoyable, like fun basketball player to watch. He shoots 50 or he has shot 54% from the field for his career. Doesn't gun it from three. I think he shot less than two per game, but fairly efficient out there, like 35 to 40% shooter. He, he knows what his strengths are. He gets to the line quite a bit. Um, you know, he had 37 in this tournament, I think, against Bryant, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, he gives the Buckeyes a proven scoring threat. And I, I think I brought it up in our Your Nuts column. I kind of I compared his addition to that of Cedric Russell last year. You know, Cedric Russell was 15, 16, 18 points a game at Louisiana. And they thought that they were bringing him in as some sort of proven scoring threat. And that really didn't come to fruition at all. I'm much more excited about Tanner Holden because he's done it for really three years. He's been consistent at Wright State. He got up to 20 points per game. And I keep going back to the efficiency. You're right. It's, it's different leagues. It's different competition. But at the end of the day, the day this guy makes shots. He pulls down rebounds. He can play both ways. So he's not this kind of just gunner that they're bringing in from a a good a good stats bad team kind of guy that's sort of how I looked at Russell I think Tanner Holden's going to be a a good basketball player for Ohio State and I think that he's going to contribute right away and he's going to contribute often so I'm happy they went out and got him because you know they have to replace what about 33 points and a couple of guys who were on all big 10 teams and are likely to go in the first round of the NBA draft I'm not saying Tanner Holden is a one-for-one replacement for either one of those guys, but I think he can come in and give you 15 points a game. Um, And that's not a big drop-off from what he was doing at Wright State. So I think he'll be sort of like a, a foundational piece for this team, at least this year. Yeah, kind of like you said, I think this is a little different than the Cedric Russell situation where I think that, you know, Holden could come in and perhaps be Ohio State's starting point guard next year. You talked about the experience and the consistency he showed. And, you know, I, I did say that the Horizon League is different than the big by by a long stretch, but I do think that he has a lot of good intangibles. He seems like a really smart kid, a good basketball player, and I think this is a player that, you know, Ohio State fans should be pretty excited to bring into the fold. I think it's going to be a long offseason for Chris Holman in, in adding a couple extra guys to the fold, and we are going to talk about some of the other guys that are coming in in terms of freshman later on, but I don't think Ohio State is done in the transfer portal by any means. I wouldn't be surprised if they add you know, at least one or two other guys, maybe another guard, maybe another forward. Uh, as we continue going through the offseason, there is no shortage of, of those guys out there right now, so we'll have to see what happens as as time moves along. But on the other, the flip side of the coin in the transfer portal, Ohio State does have a player on the outs, and that is Justin Ahrens, who has entered his name into the transfer portal. Not a huge surprise. We, we saw him go through the senior day festivities, so we figured, you know, at the very least, his Ohio State playing career was probably over. He averaged just 4.8 points per game this year, shot under 35% from the floor. Uh, he only hit on 35.4% of his threes as a player who was really only out there to shoot three-pointers, so not exactly what you were 
looking for. Wasn't particularly great defensively, and he kind of just played less and less as the season went on. I think he only played about four minutes versus Villanova. So not super surprising there. It'll be interesting to see what Justin Arns is able to do if he goes into, say, you know, a, a group of five league or, you know, a, a smaller team, a, a division outside of the Big Ten or the ACC or stuff like that. I think that he has, you know, if he could regain his shooting form, he has a chance to put up big numbers at a smaller school. But uh, I think the writing was on the wall here for Justin Arns to, to not be at Ohio State next season regardless. See, I am actually mildly surprised by this. Now, I, I know that he took part in senior day activities um, and the whole ceremony, but I, I thought that there would be a part of him, or I thought that just maybe once the dust had settled, I don't know, do you want to go out that way? I, I guess is kind of the way that I looked at it. He did not have a good fourth year or senior season at Ohio State. He was expected to enter the starting lineup, be a sharpshooter, be that outside threat. And really none of that came to pass. He had, you know, let's call it what it is. He had a bad year. He had a bad season. And so I thought that maybe he would kind of come back as a, uh, like with a chance for, to redeem himself. And, you know, not that he owes us fans anything, but, you know, to be an Ohio guy, play at Ohio State for four years and have it end the way that it did, I thought that maybe there would be some disappointment there and he would reconsider and come back. I certainly didn't see him leaving for another school, but if I step back from it and I, I kind of look at it from all angles, I think it does make a little bit of sense. He doesn't want to end his college basketball career the way that it ended at Ohio State, so he's going to go and look for another opportunity elsewhere and I think the the biggest thing that hurt Justin Arns this year was confidence. I think he lost it. I think he was, I think it was miles away and he could never recapture it. He could not find it again. And it's a slippery slope, especially as a basketball player, or any athlete, right? Like when you go through a rough stretch and you just, you can't piece it back together, it wears on you and it weighs on you. And I think that, mentally more than anything it probably hurt him throughout the course of the season because he just couldn't find his shot you know he couldn't knock him down we saw games where e even when the Buckeyes were playing well and they tried to get him extra shots or get him more involved he couldn't get on that hot streak he couldn't replicate anything anything like the game he had at uh, against Purdue as a freshman or maybe it was Iowa I kind of forget right now but his 29 point performance hit like seven threes or something like that. He, he can never find that shooting touch again. So he always seemed like a great teammate. You know, he cheered, he cheered his guys. Um, you saw him on the sideline a lot, kind of hyping them up, seemed like a great dude. And so uh, I wish him the best of luck wherever he goes. You know, I, I don't know if he has ties elsewhere, um, but I, I do hope that he finds a spot for another team and he contributes and he goes out on a, on a higher note than he than this season ended for him. Yeah, and, and it's tough, you know, because with a guy like Justin Orange, we've seen him, like you said, have these spectacular performances and knock down, you know, four, five, six threes in a game. And I, I think this season, Ohio State's coaches did a good job of, of still trying to keep him involved, at least like towards the middle of the season. Because it, it is tough with a player like that where he's obviously struggling, but you don't want to just throw him on the bench and, and like, you know, like you said, mentally hurt him even more and where he just loses all of his confidence. So I think they did, you know, they did a good job of trying to get him out there, trying to get him minutes 
but at a certain point, you know, you kind of have to balance getting this player on the court and and what you got to do that's best for the team. And it was pretty clear at the end of the year that he just wasn't his stroke at that like at that point in the year it was just gone. He wasn't going to find it. There was no amount of playing time that was going to get him there, and so he just had to play less because it was it was going to hurt the team to have him out there more. And like you said, we are you know we wish him the best elsewhere. He seems like a good kid, but. At the end of the day, he just he was a, a shooter, three point sniper that that couldn't shoot, and when that's the case, it's it's tough to justify having him out there. And I and I know like you know you want to balance it, but it is it's hard because you you have to score points, and especially with Ohio State having trouble scoring the ball at points in the game, if you have a guy out there that's that's hitting you know less than forty percent of his shots, it's not ideal at at any case. So he won't be out and there. It next speaks year. Yeah. to it really speaks to Ohio State's struggles later in the year, like. They were looking for anything. They were looking for contributions, consistent contributions from anybody outside of EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham. So it's not as if he didn't have opportunities. He just couldn't produce. And eventually, like you mentioned, they had to go away from him more and more. He was in the lineup less and less. And, you know, it just it sucks. It it really does. It sucks for Ohio State that he couldn't contribute this year with the expectations that he had and the team had for him. And, and it sucks for him to kind of go out on a sour note, but that's the way sports are, man. Like you just, it doesn't always work out. You have a bad season. You don't get that storybook ending, but hopefully he can find a, a better ending or experience a better ending elsewhere. Yeah. And so now with this Ohio State basketball roster, you have a guy coming in in Tanner Holden. You have a guy on the way out in Justin Orange, And then you have a guy that's Somewhere in the middle, I guess, in Justice Suing. Uh, last night, uh, per John Rothstein, uh, we learned that Justice Suing will be using his extra year of eligibility to return to college basketball, but he worded it in a way as if it could be elsewhere, like there's a chance that Justice Suing will enter the transfer portal. Um, per, per Adam Jardy of the Columbus Dispatch, it does seem like it will be at Ohio State. He is pretty confident uh, that Justice Suing will be a Buckeye next year, and he's usually pretty spot on with, with his predictions and his his. Uh, you know, uh, he's pretty in touch with this college, this Ohio State basketball team. So I would be surprised if Justice Ewing plays elsewhere next year, but it does seem like at this current point uh, that that option is on the table. I was surprised by the whole announcement, right? Like, uh, I looked at Justice Ewing as a guy who has really spent three seasons with this team, right? Sat out a transfer season, played, and then was injured this year. He's been around the program, uh, been around these guys, been around these coaches. He was a starter or a contributor right away. You know, it's not like he transferred and was sold, you know, uh, a bill of goods that the coaches didn't come through on. They, they brought him over from California and he played at a, at a high level last year when he was healthy and was a starter this year going into the season. So usually when a guy transfers, uh, you know, after three or four seasons or whatever it is, there's some sort of friction or the team itself is not good. And, you know, maybe they're going from a, a, a horizon league to a big 10 team, right? Like Tanner Holden did. None of that's really the case with justice suing. You know, he came over as a transfer played right away. He was, or is expected to be one of the main contributors or main scorers this season, uh, provided that he sticks around. So, I was surprised to hear that there's any sort of like ambiguity or like they're, they're still trying to figure it out, but this is college athletics. Now this is college basketball, college football guys want to see the opportunities that are out there and they have the freedom to move around. Uh, They can move around more freely with the transfer portal and the rules that are in place. So I don't know, maybe he wants to go back closer to home or, or, or whatever it is, but 
I, I hope that he does stick around because if he doesn't and Ohio State loses an eighth guy from last year's team, they can still put it together. Obviously, they've got a great recruiting class coming in, which I know we're still going to get to. And they've got Tanner Holden coming in and they've got a couple of guys returning. But this could be a real Frankenstein roster going into next season. And sometimes talent is just not enough. You throw a bunch of individuals together who are not familiar with each other, not familiar with each other's games. Um, you, you can struggle. And so I, I think that's a very real possibility. If justice suing were to leave, I think it's a very real possibility, even if he comes back to be completely honest, but losing him would be another kind of blow to this Ohio state team and this roster. That's losing a whole lot of experience, skill, you name it from a team that won 19 games and 20 last year and made a, you know, was a two seed. You look back at most of that roster, even the contributors are, are almost gone at this point. So hopefully they can figure it all out and he comes back and then they'll have suing and holding on the wing. You've got a nice foundation there to build with, but definitely interesting to hear that news. Yeah, for sure. And, and what's most surprising to me is kind of like you were saying with all the, the guys leaving on paper, Justice Suing is probably this team's best player next year if he does indeed return to Ohio State. You know, we've seen what he could do in his one year at Ohio State. We saw what he could do at Cal before this. And, and he's a really good player. And I think that with all the guys leaving, especially, you know, a, another forward like EJ Liddell, I think that Justice Suing would be one of, one of, if not the primary scorers on this team next year. He's also a guy that we've seen handle the ball well. He's been good on defense. He's good on both ends. And so I'd be pretty surprised if he left. I don't really, you know, I, I would I would imagine the reasoning would be, you know, I guess if he didn't think that this team could compete for a title and that was his motivation for going somewhere else. But in terms of, you know, uh, getting playing time and exposure, I don't think he's going to do much better than at a place like Ohio State where he has a chance to be the star in, in, you know, one of the, you know, the bigger programs in the Big Ten. Obviously, maybe not the best in the Big Ten, but a program that certainly gets a lot of publicity. So I'd be surprised if he leaves. It does seem like Adam Jardy is in the same boat that he is pretty strongly believes that, that you know, Justice Sewing will be in Ohio State's starting lineup next season. So I guess we'll kind of have to wait and see on that. No uh, concrete decision yet made by suing, but we do know he'll be playing somewhere. We still don't really know uh, Seth Towns' situation. Um, but other than that, I think that we're, we're starting to learn a little bit more and more about this Ohio State basketball roster. And on that same note, um, two guys that we know will be coming in is this very strong freshman class put together by Chris Holman and his staff. Uh, one of those guys is forward Bryce Sensabaugh, who has just recently been named the Florida Mr. Basketball. Uh, he averaged 25.5 points and 7.2 rebounds at Lake Highland Prep. That'll certainly do. Um, and it's especially impressive given that he missed pretty much all of his junior season with a knee injury. So it's good to see him bounce back, put together a really good prep season and in his final year of high school ball. And as a, as a 6'6 forward coming in, 240 pounds, um, another guy that Ohio State could be excited about next year. We, we've talked about how some of the, the best players on this roster may be some of these freshmen coming in, and it looks like Sensible is going to be a really, really good addition to this roster. Yeah, I like his game. I'm not an expert on him by any means, but I've watched some of his stuff. Um, I, I kind of look at him as sort of a Jay Sean Tate, EJ Liddell hybrid, you know, they don't have, they don't all have the same game, but you know, Sensabaugh is thick with two C's, right? Sort of, uh, you know, similar to Jay Sean Tate, similar to how EJ Liddell's body was more so last year, but strong guy, compact guy, probably can play two, three or four, just, you know, size, strength, ability, all the whole nine yards there. So 
I, I like his game a lot. And to put up 25 points per game and win Mr. Basketball in the state of Florida, that's a talent-rich state. So I think he's going to be a good ball player. Kudos to him for earning that award in the state of Florida. And I, I really think all of these freshmen could come in and contribute to a certain extent just because of you know what Ohio State's losing. I think that some of them, uh, I know you want to talk about Bruce Thornton, He's a guy I think could be forced into action just due to the the lack of depth that this team currently has and the proven depth that it has. I think Sensiball is another one of those guys, too, who can earn some playing time, uh, earn some minutes because the wing situation right now, it, you've got Tanner Holden. You might have Justice Suing and, you know, you, Eugene Brown. I kind of forgot about him for a second. Didn't give you a whole lot of offense this year. Um, known more as a defender. So if Sensiball can come in and get buckets and, and rebound and play tough with that big, thick body, that strong body, then I think he can earn some playing time. Yeah, certainly a different body type. You know, you have Sensiball and Holden, both listed six foot six. Holden is at 185 pounds, Sensiball at 240. So it's quite different body types there. Like you said, a guy who could probably play anywhere from two to four You've got with a his wide size. receiver and a blocking tight end for sure. Exactly. Two guys that are, you know, sensible specifically that could play, you know, two through four, like you said. Um, and then you brought up Thornton, uh, who in March was named Georgia Mr. Basketball, averaging 17.2 points, 7.5 assists, and 7.7 rebounds at Milton uh, from the other Columbus, this one in Georgia, not from Ohio. Uh, but Ohio State's on a pretty good run here of Mr. Basketballs as of late. Obviously, Liddell was named Illinois Mr. Basketball, Branham named Ohio. Mr. Basketball. Both of those guys uh, worked out pretty well. So if they could get, you know, even somewhat similar production out of Sensible and Thornton, maybe not in year one, but sometime down the line, um, I think this this Ohio State team will be in good shape. And we talked about that, I think, in our last episode or the one before that, how we're expecting, you know, some of these freshmen to come in right away and, and contribute. And when you see all these the accolades that are piling up for some of these big time recruits and, and what, you know, guys have that are similar in the past have done uh, it, it, you know, it provides a lot of optimism, even though there's not going to be a lot of unfamiliar faces out there. Ohio state could still be potentially pretty solid next year. If these guys do all pan out. Yeah. I was going to bring up the accolades. Chris Holman has gotten all these Mr. Basketball award winners. And if, if they're not good this year, I feel like a lot of people are going to be asking like, you know, what the hell is he doing with, with all this talent coming in? But I think he has done well with the talent and he's been able to recruit. And Thornton's another guy that I like, another like stalky kind of tough dude, um, big body, plays with a ton of energy and uh, a ton of aggression, which I like. I, th I think because of that energy and that aggressiveness, he can, you know, he, he may be a guy that you need to rein in at times, especially as a freshman point guard. I think that they are the most... Um, unreliable athletes on the face of the planet sometimes. Um, but I, I like his game. I like that he grabbed about seven boards a game at his height, dished out seven assists, gets his teammates involved. Um, a good defender. You're not the biggest, tallest defender in the world, but he gets in there. Uh, he bodies guys, good hands. He can, he can steal the ball. So uh, on paper, I like what he can bring to the team. And I, I mentioned it. I think he is going to be forced into action early and often, because you look at the point guard options, just as Suing can handle the ball, if he comes back, he's a point forward, if anything, right? The only true point guard I would say they have on this roster is Michi Johnson, and I don't consider him a point guard. He's more of an undersized combo guard, and he's had his issues taking care of the ball, getting his teammates involved, things like that. So if Thornton can come in and, you know, I know he put up 17 points per game as a high school senior, but 
I don't think Ohio State is going to be looking for that from him. I don't think that they need it if they get some guys back in the fold. If he can be, I don't know, like a, a more dangerous Jamari Wheeler, I'm not comparing, again, their their body types or their games, but Jamari Wheeler came in. He was a, a game manager, played good defense. He hit some big shots. If Thornton can do some of those things and be – a little more explosive and a little more athletic, get to the bucket more than I think you've really got something there. Yeah, Ohio State's really been lacking that true, you know, a game managing point guard, someone who could really spread the floor and, and get guys involved and, and run the offense effectively. And, you know, Jamari Wheeler was solid, but not I like quite CJ Walker, but CJ Walker, I don't feel like was ever capable of 20 to 25 points per game. I think Thornton is like that, but more of a score, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. This is a guy, you know, you like to see that almost eight assists per game, but you also like to see that 17 points per game. You know, you have a guy who is uh, dangerous to score with the ball in his hand, so people have to commit to him, but he's also able to to get other guys on the floor involved, and that's what Ohio State's kind of needed from their point guards. Hopefully Thornton could be that guy, but, you know, you talked about some of these questions surrounding Chris Holtman. Um, there's been another Ohio State coach, you know, the last one, I would say, uh, had a lot of questions about him towards the end of his tenure, but uh, he has been in the news this week, another in-state Ohio school uh, the news obviously being that Thad Mata has taken the job at Butler. A little bit of a surprise, but, you know, he last coached at Ohio State in 2017. Mata received nothing but praise from all of his former players. I listen often to uh, to Mark Titus's podcast. He's always giving uh, a ton of praise and, and talking highly of him on his podcast. And so it seems like he's a guy that the players really like. And I, I think he got sort of a raw deal at the end of his uh, Ohio State tenure. But here he is now back in the college basketball coaching world, back in the, you know, the Ohio college ranks. I, I don't know how that's going to impact Ohio State recruiting in any way. I'm sure it'll have somewhat of an impact here down the line. But uh, an interesting bit of news this week as Thad Mata's back on the sidelines. Yeah, this is an awesome story. I'm really excited for Thad Mata. He is one of my favorite Ohio State basketball coaches that I can remember. You know, I'm I'm dating myself a little bit, but I was I, I remember some of like the Randy Ayers era, um, the Jim O'Brien era for you know whatever it was. But I, you know, I loved that time here in Columbus and. He's just, he was a great dude. You mentioned it. Players loved him. Fans loved him. The administration really loved what that Mata brought to the program, but he was plagued by health issues and almost forced into like an early medical retirement. You know, he had the, the botched back surgery. So the back was not in good shape and it affected the foot. You know, he even mentioned he's got a foot that doesn't work. And, um, that was a real bummer for him. I can only imagine what it would be like or what it was like to be forced out essentially of doing something that you loved to do and had done for so long and you were successful at it. Um, and he really had no control. I think that part of the raw deal was his last big recruiting class where he brought in uh, Luther Muhammad, Mickey Mitchell. Uh, I can't even remember some of the other guys and it didn't work out well. Um, but the, the guys that he brought in during that last big class, like they were players that everyone wanted, like everyone believed that that mod had brought in his version of like the fab five and it never worked out. A lot of those guys were not what they were cracked up to be. I mean, you look at their careers after they left Ohio state because there was a mass exodus. Nobody was successful. Uh, Jaquan Lyle was probably the most successful, but he had his issues. 
He was at best an inefficient scorer. Uh, Mickey Mitchell, dud. Luther Muhammad, dud. Guys like that. So, you know, that's the that's the gamble when you go after these prestigious high school players and you bring in so many at one time. Knock on wood, Chris Holtman's kind of doing that this year, but. It's that collection of individuals not always gelling and not always coming together. And that was the case with dad's team. You know, I, I don't think you can fault him for going out and bringing in that talent. And a lot of it has to be chalked up to those guys and blamed on those guys. I mean, it's not like they went elsewhere and had success. So he swung big, he struck out and the health issues kind of forced him to the wayside, but he's stayed around the game. He was involved with IU in like an administrative role. So he was in the state of Indiana and this Butler opportunity came up. Good for him. He's a Butler guy. He played there. He had two stints as an assistant. A lot of people don't remember that he only coached was the head coach for one year at Butler because he had a great year and he moved on to Xavier and then Ohio state. But I think he's going to be good for Butler. And I, I'm just, I'm happy that he could get back to doing what he enjoys and I'll be rooting for him for sure. You know, they're uh, they'll still be behind North Carolina. So maybe they will be my third favorite team next year, but I think that he'll do well there. And I think that you'll hear from Butler in the future. Yeah, for sure. And I think that Ohio state fans uh, by and large will be rooting for Thad Mata. Like you said, it's great to see him uh, feeling healthy enough to get back out there and do what he loves to do. And I, it seems like by and large, a, a great dude. So uh, good to see that out there is good. Some, some good feel good news this week. Um, and other feel good news, another Ohio state adjacent story. Um, uh, Dwayne Washington of the Indiana Pacers receives a, a full contract, no longer a two way player. So kind of some, some nerves eased for him. He, he knows that he will be a full-time member of that team. He's played uh, very well in stretches for the Pacers this year as kind of a role player, uh, played a bit more here and there, put up some big big games in some big spots. Uh, I think he got a flagrant two against him a couple days ago um, in a game against the 76ers, but a pretty solid season for Dwayne Washington. You know, Josh and I were a little bit skeptical when he was coming out, but I think he's, you know, silenced a lot of the haters. He's had a pretty good year, and uh, by and large, it looks like he's made the, the right decision to leave Ohio State and go make his millions in the NBA. Yeah, it's funny. I've actually got a piece about Dwayne coming out tomorrow. Uh, it's Thursday, so it should be out tomorrow on Friday where I kind of wrote about this whole, I don't know if it was a roller coaster ride that he's been on, but you're right. You know, he had his doubters and I think you and I both questioned his decision to leave Ohio state. I don't think that either one of us was like down on him. I don't know that either one of us thought that he would be a total bust, but I would be lying if I said that I expected this. And that's what I talk about in the piece. Um, He had a really good junior year, junior season at Ohio State, put up 16 points a game, and he was sort of their clutch guy, their their get-hot guy, their shooter. But he had holes in his game, and he still does. He's not the most efficient guy in the world. He shoots sub-40%, and his decision-making can be questioned. I don't know that he's the best defender in the world, but he plays a certain style of game. He is an irrational confidence guy. He thinks that every shot, the next shot is going in. He can get hot. He can get buckets. He's a good three-point shooter. Uh, I think he took like close to eight per game his last year at Ohio State. I think he's averaging around four uh, or five attempts with the Pacers. And I, I would it's probably fair to say that he got this extended audition 
due to injury. The, the Pacers have been decimated. They're not a great team this year. I think they're 25 and 55. So um, just a, a really tough year for them. But they've got a lot of talent. You know, he plays with Malcolm Brogdon and they traded for Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I don't know why I said Halliburton, Halliburton. And they're coached by Rick Carlisle. The guy knows talent. He won a ring as a player. He played with the Celtics. He won a, play, uh, a ring as a coach with the Mavs. He's a, he's a really good basketball coach. And so he knows talent. He knows good basketball players. He saw something in Dwayne Washington. And you mentioned he's had a handful of 20-point games, set the franchise record for um, threes made in a game by a rookie. He made seven in a game earlier on this year. And then five days later, set his career high with 22. So he's doing some really good things. He has earned himself uh, playing time and he's carved out a certain role. And I, I mentioned his game, like the, the NBA is not, it's not like it used to be where it's so dependent upon efficiency with the the amount of three-point shooting we see and things like that. Like you don't have to be, a guy who shoots 48% from the field, 38% from three and, and hits 80% of their free throws. You can be a 40, 38, 80 guy uh, and still be considered successful. So I, I think Dwayne Washington's always going to be kind of a, an offense first microwave kind of guard, but he's doing some things. He's making it happen. He's averaging nearly 10 points a game. And when you, look at his decision to leave, you you can't argue with it at all now because he has found success and he's found, you know, much more success than a lot of guys who were drafted and obviously drafted in front of him because he wasn't taken. He signed as an undrafted free agent. So kudos to him, man. Like he gambled on himself and he looks like a big winner right now. And who knows how long it's going to last. Um, even some of these guaranteed contracts only turn into like one or two years and teams aren't afraid to cut bait because they're not paying a, a ton of money. But I do think he has some staying power and I'm excited that he is uh, doing things at the next level and I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, it's a really nice feel-good story. Shout out to Dwayne. Uh, two two nice feel-good stories there at the end of, of our basketball content with Thad Mata and Dwayne Washington both doing big things at their respective, uh, their respective new jobs, I would say. But uh, that'll 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 wrap up a lot of our basketball talk. I'm sure the basketball news will kind of slow down here in the coming months as the tournament is now over. And you know, I, I think most of our our talk here will probably be about different uh, recruiting stuff and different transfer news as Ohio State looks to fill out their roster for next year and years to come. Switching gears here over to the football field, um, not a ton of news in terms of current Ohio State players, a lot of recruiting news, but we are going to get to two two of the bigger stories, I would say, of the current on-field players, um, and that is two transfers that are leaving Ohio State's program announced this past week, and those are safety Bryson Shaw and cornerback legend Cavazos. Um, two guys that I think here kind of saw the the writing on the wall of what was to come here. I, I think Jim Knowles has been watching his film and saw what these guys put on tape last year and, and saw that there were guys that were probably uh, more deserving of those spots and guys that were ahead of them. 
Um, in terms specifically of Cavazos, uh, you know, Josh and I have both been very high on, you know, second year players now, Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson. Um, Cavazos was a guy who did, you know, start games last year. I think he started the Minnesota game at the beginning of the year. Um, and so he was obviously a guy that was ahead of them last year. And it, it appears as though those two guys have now jumped up. And so between those two guys, obviously Denzel Burke, uh, Cam Brown. You've got a lot of guys that are ahead of Legend Cavazos. He decided to play elsewhere. I think the same kind of goes for Bryson Shaw. He was, you know, unfairly, I would say, you know, as someone who has been on the the Bryce anti Bryson Shaw wagon, uh, I think, you know, directly he was probably treated a bit unfairly. He was thrown out there without much coaching and in a position that he wasn't expected to start in once Josh Proctor went down. Um, but even this year with the three safeties on the field, you have a ton of guys at those three positions that are all fighting for playing time. And and Bryson Shaw didn't really find a didn't really have a place in the in the defense to to make a real impact this year so both of those guys have decided to transfer so you know two players out of Ohio State secondary to leave a a secondary that wasn't very good last year um, which you would think would be a little bit of a you know a detriment you know hurt in terms of death but I think that you know both the positions they left at are are pretty good depth wise right now um, and that these you know these are not I wouldn't say these are expected moves but I don't think this really hurts Ohio State in any way and I think it it shows more that the guys behind them are, are stepping up and earning bigger roles as we get through more of spring practice. Yeah, no real surprise. Um, if I was going to name, you know, five or ten guys who I thought could leave, I don't know that they were at the top of the list. But to your point, I think they just saw the writing on the wall, and you can't really harbor any ill will towards them. You know, they put in multiple years uh, at Ohio State. They grinded. They were good teammates. Nobody had anything negative or poor to say about them. Um, but after a couple of years, they saw that they weren't going to get the playing time that they thought that they deserved or what, you know, that they were capable of getting. Um, and they probably didn't think that they were going to reach their potential. And they probably want to go and play in the NFL if that's in their future plans or, or, or um, you know, a possibility at all. So they're going to go and look for new opportunities. I hope that they find them. I think that in my opinion, I think Cavazos probably has the higher upside. I know Bryson Shaw started for the majority, if not all of last year, but I like I like Cavazos's length. I like what he has done in a small sample size. I think he just he got passed. I mean, things happen, especially when you're bringing in four and five star talents at every position every year. Basically, guys who are still good football players are going to fall deeper and deeper on the depth chart. So I think Cavazos will find success elsewhere. Bryson Shaw, I'm not sure about. Um, I think that he had some moments last year, and it's kind of crazy to say that a a guy who started for Ohio State all year maybe possibly doesn't have the talent to play, you know, college football at a high level. But for me, uh, I kind of look at it like you can only get out of position so many times and take so many bad angles before I just stop believing you're ever going to be awesome. You know what I mean? Like I just, I saw it too many times. We even saw it uh, some in the spring practice. I know he kind of got embarrassed by G Scott jr. In, in a recent drill or a recent practice and kind of got called out by Jim Knowles, you know, look, maybe he just needs to go somewhere where the expectations aren't so high. And I, I don't know how high they really were on him, but he was a starter at Ohio State. And, you know, to catch the heat that he did, maybe that weighed on him. And he's like, look, I, I can go, I can do better elsewhere. I just need to kind of start fresh. I think that's the mentality for both of these guys. And so 
wish them the best. I, I think that it will have a minimal impact on Ohio State's depth. I think that they've got some some young guys, especially that are chomping at the bit and they're good young players. So I think Ohio State's going to be just fine. You could say that for really in any position. If they were to lose a guy or two, they're going to be just fine. Um, so no real worries there. Hopefully some guys step up and do what they're capable of in that uh, secondary. Yeah, and speaking of losing potentially other guys, Ohio State does need to bring their scholarship count down uh, a couple more. I believe at last count they're at 88, and they're only allotted 85. So I wouldn't be surprised if a couple other guys decide to move on. I don't want to you know speculate on individual you know college students to leave, but I think if you're looking at position wise, uh, I'd probably yeah, make the Gene, most that's sense. what I was getting ready to ask. Like you can leave players out of it, but if you had to target a position, where do you think that we could see like some loss? Yeah, I think the two most obvious positions are linebacker and running back. Um, running back, maybe a little bit less so, but there is one or two guys that are clearly, you know, third, fourth, fifth, maybe not third, but fourth or fifth down on the depth chart that aren't going to get much playing time with, you know, the likes of Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Evan Pryor, all ahead of everyone else. Um, same goes for linebacker. Linebacker, there's about 100 guys in the room for what is now majorly two positions in this Jim Knowles defense. So wouldn't be surprising to see one of the guys lower on the depth chart transfer there as well. Um, I, I think you're pretty safe in the secondary as far as other guys go. I don't think you'll see another corner or safety leave. I mean, potentially, I guess you could because Ohio State is bringing in uh, a ton of safeties, both in the incoming freshman class and in the 2023 class, which we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, I think those are the two positions to look for the most. Um, I don't think offensive line has a ton of depth right now. So if there is a big transfer in there, I think that would be probably the most detrimental at this current time. Um, obviously, if you know CJ Stroud decides tomorrow that he wants to leave Ohio State, that would be pretty detrimental. Um, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I think that those are, I think running back and linebacker are the two positions to look at in terms of, of a couple other guys maybe leaving Ohio State to look for greener pastures. I can't really disagree with that. I'm totally with you. Uh, on the linebacker position, I just, there aren't enough spots. And so if we were to see a guy or two leave, I would not be the least bit surprised there, especially with Jim Knowles' new defense where I don't know, you're probably looking at like two and a half linebackers on average on the field at any given time. So, and it's kind of funny because it was a weakness last year. I think the linebacker play, but I think with different coaching and fewer of them on the field. I think that uh, the expectations are much higher and I don't think it's as, as much of a concern as it was like at the very end of last year. So I, I think that you've got a ton of talent in that room and only so many spots on the field. So I'm with you there running back. I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I definitely wouldn't, but I, I would hate to lose a guy at that position because with running backs, they, they take a lot of punishment. Um, most teams at really any level, they, they rotate their backs out. Guys have different skill sets. And I think that Ohio State has at least three guys with varied skill sets. And I think that all three could and should receive playing time this year. And you think about the punishment that they take, you know, if a guy gets hurt, um, knock on wood very loudly, but if Travion Henderson gets banged up and he's going to miss a game, two games, three games, whatever, I don't know. Do you, would you feel great if Mayan Williams was your only proven commodity back there? You know, say Evan Pryor were to leave and I don't, I'm not guessing that I don't have any information. I, I don't think that at all, but just hypothetically, if he were to leave and Mayan Williams is your only known guy, then you've maybe got Marcus Crowley backing him up. 
then you're that is no longer a strength, at least to the extent that it is with Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor in the fold. So I think you need a lot of guys at that position. I know that they want to get the ball. They want to run with it, but it doesn't always work out that way. And I think that um, all three of those guys that I mentioned, the first three, at least, I think they can work in unison and work together and be a really productive backfield. So yeah, wouldn't shock me, but I hope that they hang on to the depth that they do have. And uh, yeah, I, I can't really think of another position, maybe along the defensive line, but you know, you've got a, a kind of an odd mix of really young guys and some really like long in the tooth vets like Teron Vincent, you know, um, I, I don't know if a guy with like JJP would consider, but I, I look at a guy like that who's sort of caught in between. I don't know. I, I I'm with you. I don't want to throw names out there. I, I like everyone on this roster. I wish they could all stay, but somebody or somebody's are going to go looking for another opportunity and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I think that it will take some time to see um, who else leaves. I think they're going to go through a lot of spring practices. They may even get into the, the summer and the fall because you can kind of leave and play elsewhere right away, but you don't want to fall too far behind. So I, I don't know that it's going to be anytime real soon, but maybe in the summer we start to hear some more whispers and they'll get it all finalized. It's it'll, it'll shake out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. I was trying to think like maybe like a, a lower rated wide receiver, but I don't think they even have any at this point. I think every wide receiver <laughs> on the roster is like a five-star or a high four-star. So they're probably chilling there. Um, yeah, yeah. And you're running- hearing all good things. Like Jaden Ballard was the guy that nobody remembered and you're hearing great things about him out of camp and he was a stud in high school like he kind of got lost in the shuffle with Igbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. but I think we'll see him on the field this year so I'm with you I think they'll rotate a bunch of guys out too and so you may not catch 100 balls but you're going to be part of an elite unit this year and next year and the year after that and probably for as long as Brian Hartline is the uh, is on the staff. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's a good kind of transition here to where we're going. Uh, there's a lot of Ohio State recruiting news, um, some of it involving wide receivers, but not not there quite yet. I am going to touch on uh, the safeties, as we brought up before, because Ohio State did land uh, a commitment this week, uh, and that was from Malik Hartford, a top 150 player, the number 11 safety in the country, and the number four player in Ohio. He becomes the sixth overall member of Ohio State's 2023 class. He is the second safety in the class alongside Cedric Hawkins, and I don't quite think they're done there. Um, it seems like Ohio State is now, you know, very actively recruiting the safety position, especially with Jim Knowles' defense having three of them on the field at once. It's going to be very important moving forward. You also saw them bring in, you know, a guy like Sonny Styles last year, who should be coming in next year, but hasn't rolled early. So a ton of safeties coming in, which I think is another thing that probably led to the decision of a guy like Bryson Shaw to, to move to move elsewhere because you have so many of these highly touted guys coming into the fold now. But a big get, uh, Malik Harford, obviously a guy that we've you know kind of pegged as an Ohio State lean for quite some time now. It seemed that the that he was destined to end up here at some point as an in-state player, as a guy that Ohio State had seemingly you know really ramped up their pursuit of as of late. Um, but uh, but this is really the first um, recruiting win for Perry Eliano. Um, Eliano did recruit Hartford pretty hard when he was at Cincinnati as well. Um, so it's good to see a lot of these new coaches getting out there and, and hitting the trail hard. And, and, you know, even though Hartford is an in-state player, uh, it is a good win for, you know, Coach Eliano uh, landing a guy of Hartford's caliber. 
There's a lot to like about Hartford. Uh, I joked in our Slack that he's going to be the next Cam Chancellor with his size. And, you know, I was joking because I, I don't fully buy into that. Uh, Cam Chancellor was like 230, 240 pounds, but he was a tall 6'3", 6'4", guy for the Legion of Boom. And I don't even know if you want that sort of massive enforcer in the back anymore. But Malik Hartford is a big six foot three ball of clay. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit. I think he's listed at like 175, 180, but big rangy athlete. Um, he, he was comfortable blitzing in high school, which I think adds another layer to kind of his potential. I think that that's an exciting kind of component to his game blocked six kicks. So I think that he can get involved pretty early uh, when he does get to Ohio State because of all the different things that he can do. I think that if he bulks up, then you're looking at a guy that's, I don't know, 6'3", 200 pounds with this athletic background, then maybe he can play more in the box. Maybe he can blitz off the edge. And like I mentioned, maybe he can contribute on special teams. So um, I like a lot of things about his game. He's an Ohio kid. So this was a good get. And I, I'm probably a little bit higher on him than the stars would suggest. Um, I know he's a four star, but I, I don't know. I, I really like him. I think that he could be a top 10 to 15 safety in this class. If things were a little bit different, maybe he works his way up there, but I think he's going to be good. I, I think he's a talented kid and I like a lot about him. Yeah, Ohio State's 2023 class really seems to be trending in the right direction, especially after this big recruiting weekend they just had this past weekend. Uh, with it being Student Appreciation Day, a lot of these big-time recruits got to come in, experience a little bit of the Ohio State fan base, some of the atmosphere. I saw people you know, making signs and stuff for some of these big-time recruits, uh, two of which were, were both wide receivers and, and Flipping back to the Brian Hartline conversation, uh, those being Carnell Tate and Brandon Innes. Uh, Tate just outside of the five-star status as the number 38 player overall and the number five wide receiver. He's a guy you've heard a ton about. He's been Ohio State's top wide receiver target for a while now. Both of the crystal balls that are currently in for him are in favor of the Buckeyes. And alongside of him was Brandon Innes, who is a five-star, originally committed to Oklahoma, but decommitted once Lincoln Riley left. Number one wide receiver in the country, number 10 overall. Originally looked like he would he was almost a lock to follow Lincoln Riley USC, but it does sound a lot like Ohio State is gaining steam with him. There's a chance that Ohio State lands both of these very highly touted wide receivers. I was listening this morning to uh, Bill Curlick on the Bucknuts Morning 5, and you know, in his opinion, he said that Ohio State, at the very least, has drawn even with USC for Brandon Innes, if not surpassed them. So my only, you know, my only thing here is that Brian Hartline is a wizard and that he deserves the keys to the city of Columbus if he pulls this off and lands in another wide receiver duo of this caliber, guys like Innes and Tate, to add to their already ridiculous stockpile of former five-star and high four-star talents, just you know, continuing this this production line of NFL talent at the wide receiver position in Columbus. I think if this were to come to fruition that Ryan Day would just have to abandon his offense and they would have to go five wide Texas Tech Mike Leach style uh, because they would just they would have too many talented guys like you want to get them all on the field. But I don't know. I'm a little more skeptical about Brandon Innes's, um interest in Ohio State. Like, I think it's legit, but. He was a big time Oklahoma guy. He's still crystal balled, um, you know, for the most part to USC. And, you know, the ties are still strong there. He's stayed in contact with them, has had good things to say about them and good things to say about Ohio State. So, um, look, it would be 
awesome, right? It would be fantastic to get the number one wide receiver in the class again and pair him up with Carnell Tate and the guys that you already have in the room. But I'm not holding my breath there, um, but I'm not going to put anything past Day and Heartline and the Ohio State program. You know, maybe they win him over. I think that he's got at least a decent relationship with Carnell Tate, who is much more of an Ohio State lean. And, um, you know, maybe Tate is able to recruit for Ohio State. You know, he's clearly not committed yet, but he seems like he's leaning in that direction. So maybe he pulls the trigger and he really gets in Ennis's ear. Both these guys are, uh, you know, great players. They've had nothing but uh, positive things to say about Ohio State. But if I had to predict, I think that I would predict that Ennis still ends up at USC, but we get Cardell Tate and, um, I don't know, a lot to be kind of figured out there. These are 2023 guys, so they've got really, uh, you know, close to a calendar year if they wanted to push it out that long. At the end of the day, though, I look at Ohio State's pitch, and I think that's what gives them the edge. You know, they've got Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, and all this recent wide receiver success. They can point to this year's draft and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, they're going to both be taken in the first round. Like, put it down in pen, it's going to happen, especially after their combine and pro day performances. Then you've got a guy like JSN who's coming on, already projected to be a high first round pick next year, in next year's draft. So the proof is in the pudding, it's there. You know, they've, they've got the proof of concept, they've got the results that kind of speak for themselves. So I'm not going to rule them out, but I'm seeing more of a split on these two guys, if I had to guess. Yeah, Tate obviously more more of a uh, an Ohio State lean than Ennis by by every stretch of the imagination. Um, but you know, on top of the you know the wide receiver success, Ohio State also has a ton of of quarterback talent coming in. Obviously, you have C.J. Stroud this year. Mm-hmm. You have Kyle McCord waiting in the wings. You have a guy like Devin Brown who is very highly regarded in the 2022 class. So a lot to like if you're a wide receiver, uh, you know, with a chance to go to Ohio State play in that offense. So I guess the only time will tell. Uh, it is worth mentioning that these Tate and Ennis both do play on the same seven on seven team. They are very close. So like you said, if Tate does wind up pulling the trigger and committing to Ohio State. He could try to peer recruit Ennis there, but I guess only time will tell. Um, other guys that have been you know, linked to Ohio State in the past few days, there's been a handful of crystal balls that have dropped for 2023 guys, uh, two of which from Steve Wiltfong. Uh, the first one is for four-star running back Mark Fletcher, who is not a guy we've talked a ton about, but in addition to Wiltfong, Andrew Evans also dropped a, a, a Crystal ball for the four-star running back. Uh, he's the number eight running back in the country, a Florida native. Um, I, I know that a lot of people have heard a lot about Richard Young, who's been Ohio State's Ohio State and many others' is top guy in the in the 2023 class in, in terms of running backs. But the Buckeyes do want two guys in that class, so it, it doesn't. If they do wind up with a guy like Mark Fletcher, it doesn't exclude them from Richard Young, as they do want a duo to come in in that class. But it is interesting to have you know two pretty big names on the two four seven Sports Analyst Board uh, peg Ohio State for a guy like Mark Fletcher, and then the other was four star defensive lineman Darren Reed. Uh, he's a top fifty defensive lineman, a Georgia native, uh, and so those are two guys that are, are seemingly trending towards Ohio State. Not two guys that we've heard a ton about, but it is worth mentioning that they both received crystal balls earlier this week. I, I had to start doing my homework on Mark Fletcher because that's not a name I had heard, and um, it didn't take me too long. I, I was sold pretty quickly because I saw. American Heritage High School, and I can't think of the guys right now, but um, it's a factory. They've put out a ton of college and even some NFL talent, and 
one of the guys on 247 comped him to Derrick Henry. Um, not going to put that on anybody. But I'll take Derrick Henry on Ohio State. That would work for me. For sure. I mean, but he is. He's 6'1", 225 already. Probably not done growing. Um, like, big, physically imposing guy, uh, especially at his age. So, <clears throat> I, I don't know if he compliments Richard Young. I don't know if you want him... You know, there's a greater need, uh, him versus Richard Young. Maybe they get both. I love both of those guys. I like their talent on paper. But um, I, I I was excited once I started reading more and more about Fletcher. And to hear that Ohio State is in good standing with him is a great thing to hear because Ohio State needs running backs. And they have brought in, you know, one talented guy after another. But Travion Henderson's not going to be here forever. Uh, Evan Pryor is not going to be here forever. So you just, you need to keep guys coming in and especially in who doesn't want to play in this Ohio state offense. You know, I know they're known for, for wide receivers, but you look at what it did for Trey Sermon. You look at how Trayvon Henderson's been successful. I mean, guys are wanting to come going to want to come play here. So I'm excited about Fletcher new to me. And I spent some time on him today. But I'm excited about his potential. Yeah, it seems like a guy Ohio State fans should get accustomed to uh, here coming up if they're if he's starting to get crystal balls like that from big names. But one other guy, you know, kind of a wait and see thing. Uh, just a couple other guys here I wanted to touch on before we get out of here. Uh, one of which being Tackett Curtis, a name we've we've heard a lot recently. Uh, one of Jim Knowles' top guys, both at Oklahoma State and now that he is at Ohio State. Um, Tackett Curtis named his three of his uh, official visits. Uh, them being Wisconsin, USC, and then Ohio State as the final visit on uh, June 24th to 26th. So you like to see Ohio State being the last official visit for any of these guys, but especially someone like Curtis, who is you know another seeming Ohio State lean, a guy that Jim Knowles has really been hard after to be to have the Buckeyes as the last school he's going to visit, last school that he's going to you know have a, have a lasting memory of. I think that's a really good sign for them in this recruitment. We talk about not having a ton of linebackers on the field, but this is a guy who seems like he could come in and make a huge impact. And clearly, if Knowles is this high on a kid that he would really like to have um, in his defensive system, then I think it's a guy that's definitely worth bringing in for sure. Jim Knowles has been after Tackett Curtis for a long time. Uh, seems like his top overall priority, um, probably right up there with coaching the Ohio State defense. I mean, we've heard so many things about Jim Knowles being tied to Tackett Curtis. So, you know, he wants this guy. You know, he's staying in constant communication with him. To have that last visit um, is a positive. And honestly, the way that it's trending, I would not be surprised to hear that Ohio State gets his commitment sometime shortly after that June visit. Um, I was actually surprised that Wisconsin was in his top three. I didn't realize he was on the list, but I, I, I would, I think that Ohio State is sort of in the lead there. And that's just me kind of projecting onto somebody else, but he, he's had some really good things to say about Ohio State. He knows that he is a priority of this staff and We've talked about him before. He seems like a do-it-all sort of linebacker who can be your coach on the defense and do a little bit of everything. So if Jim Knowles wants you for his defense and he's made you a top priority, then that's all the that's the kind of stamp of approval, the only stamp of approval I need. Um, I'm excited about him, and I think that they've got a really good chance. 
Yeah, you don't have to convince me. Uh, and then the last guy here on my list, uh, Austin Serveld, he named his top three this past week, those top three being Alabama, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. He is a Middletown, Ohio native. Uh, he's a top 20 interior offensive lineman in this 2023 class, the number seven player in Ohio. Uh, the lone crystal ball right now from Alan True is in favor of Ohio State. Uh, so this is another guy that seems to be leaning towards the Buckeyes. He's got, you know, he's not as highly rated as some of these other offensive linemen. But when when schools like Alabama, and Notre Dame are also after a guy this late in the process, you know that he's probably pretty solid. And so while like we talked about with Eliano landing Hartford, this could be another get for a new Ohio State coach. This one being Justin Fry, who's done a you know seemingly a really good job to start uh, on the recruiting trail. We had some questions coming in about whether these new coaches could recruit, and overall, it looks like it's it's you know it's all going pretty well so far. Yeah, Justin Fry's got some really uh, positive momentum, especially after the Montgomery signing. And uh, if, if they were able to go out there and get Saravold, I mean, you put him next to Josh Padilla. Uh, and like I mentioned, Montgomery, man, that, that's a heck of a haul. And I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know if Ohio State's looking to bring in uh, potentially a fourth or a fifth guy if they were to go out and get Saravold. But um, that is the makings of... It's the makings of a class that Ohio State needs along the offensive line. You know, we've had our things to say about Coach Stud and sort of the performance of Ohio State's offensive line as a whole. We think that it'll be much improved this year. I think that you and I both think that Donovan Jackson is going to be a beast. We both think that Paris Johnson Jr. is going to be even better as a tackle, getting back to his natural position. But we need to see it first, and it's good to see – this, this influx of new talent, at least, uh, you know, hypothetically on the way, if they were to bring in this trio for starters, then, you know, that that would be a great get collectively for Ohio State and Justin Fry, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're kind of seeing this Ohio State 2023 class play out, as most classes do, where they're starting to grab all of their top targets within Ohio and then expanding their borders and grabbing some of their top national targets as well. So hopefully momentum continues there on the recruiting trail. It all looks like it's going pretty solid now. You obviously have the uh, spring game coming up on April 16th, so not too far away, less than 10 days out, which will be another big recruiting event for Ohio State. Uh, but I think that's really it from us this week, Josh, unless you have anything else you wanted to add. No, that's it, man. Um, we can end the pod, go watch some Masters, watch some baseball. Um, but this was a good pod. You know, we got to talk about a wrap up a lot of the Ohio State basketball stuff. I'm, I'm really interested to see what this team is going to look like moving forward. I think that um, we'll probably have more to talk about than either you or I anticipated uh, at the end of the season with these kind of comings and goings. So uh, it'll be interesting to follow that. And obviously football is going to ramp up. So all good things. And uh, it's a good sports kind of uh, time right now. And usually the summer, the summer is going to be a little bit different Uh, Then I think we're going to be stretching and reaching a little bit more, but we're still in the, in the heart of things right now, especially like you've got NBA playoffs coming up. So if you're a sports fan an Ohio state fan, whatever, uh, there's a ton on the table right now. So enjoy it. Listen to us, all that good stuff that Gene's going to wrap up with, but that's it for me, man. Yeah, always good to have content to talk about. Obviously, we're dropping on a bit of a, a different day this week, a little bit more of a weekend podcast with Josh and I having a, a bit of a crazy schedule this time of year, but we should be back to hopefully normal uh, for next week's podcast sometime around Wednesday. But 
Regardless, uh, we will be back in New York talking about whatever else happens between now and then with the latest Ohio State news and notes and different recruiting and stuff like that. But for now, um, yeah, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Be sure to check out our content over at landgrantholyland.com. Uh, and for Josh, Julie, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks.